If you've got your Bibles, you can uh, go ahead and uh, access those and uh, turn to Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to focus our teaching time today. If you're not familiar with God's Word or how to look that up, most of the passages will be on the, uh, the screen behind me this morning. Well, we are finishing up this series called Uncomplicated, where we're trying to literally unravel uh, what it means to walk in this spiritual life that sometimes we overcomplicate. And uh, I've kind of started each one of these messages with different ways that we kind of do that in our life sometimes. And uh, I was trying to think today, one of the things I often do, I think I've gotten better at this, uh, but I still can sometimes read too much into circumstances, read too much into what people say or what they don't say or what they text or what they don't text and like start making assumptions about things and overcomplicate relationships very easily. When Katie and I first started dating, uh, I was in college, she was in high school and uh, I was home, and, and we'd probably been dating two weeks, I think, at this point. Gone out. I don't even know if we'd call it officially dating. We had gone out a couple of times. And uh, so it was one Saturday afternoon, and I thought, I'm going to surprise Katie, and I'm going to go to her house. Like, things are going well. And so I drove by. Her car was there. I knew she was home, so I went up, and I knocked on the door, and nobody answered. And I rang the doorbell again, and, like, I could hear something inside. And I was like... I know she's home, and, like, I, 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 didn't, I was like, I don't want to do this for too long, but, like, I kept knocking a little bit louder and a little bit louder, and she never came to the door. So, like, I walked back down the steps. I'm all checked. I'm like, she doesn't like me like I like her. Like, I've just ruined everything. I get in the car, and I leave, and, like, you know, I go home, and I sulk for a while, and I'm like, I guess I'm going to try to call her and just you know, she'll probably say, hey, I never want to see you again. Please don't ever show up in my house again. And so I call, and I'm like, hey, she picks up the phone. And I was like, yeah. She's like, hey, Patrick. And she seemed excited. I was like, yeah. She, I was like, hey, I, I wanted to come by and visit you. She's like, yeah, come on by. And I'm like, no, no, I like, I did come by. She was like, well, when? And I was like, oh, just, she was like, oh, I was in the back ironing, and I had my headphones on. And like, I'd already assumed she hated me with all that she had in mind just because she didn't come to the door and answer. Do you ever do that in relationships? Sometimes you, somebody, you text somebody, and it shows up red, and they don't text you back. And you're like, what's up with this person? You know, why, why aren't they texting me back? It's been 17 seconds. You know, we just, we start assuming things so quickly and we complicate our lives. And as I mentioned, religion has a way of doing this in our spiritual lives as well. Religion creates these lists. It creates the system of who's in and who outs. It makes everything determined on behavior and externals versus what's happening on the inside. And we've been reminding ourselves through this entire series that Jesus did not come to make our lives more complicated, more stressful, busier, or hectic. He actually came to do the exact opposite. And this is the idea that we've been traveling to unra- trying to unravel over the past few weeks. And we laid out the idea that as a church, we want to be as simple as we can. And we have one simple focus, and that's to love God and love people. Those are the lenses that we as a church and we as followers of Christ want to walk through this life with. How do I love God and love people? How do, how do I approach that? And, and we've spent some time each of the past few weeks talking about how that plays out. But we've also been talking about how to uncomplicate what it means to actually be involved with the church. If you've ever been involved with a church besides this one, I, I know most churches that I've been involved with, it's almost... Like 
they start to suck your real life out of you and interject like the church religious life. All of a sudden you find like I used to go out and have fun and now I'm just at the church hanging flowers. Like why did how did this happen in my life? Like we just our lives get completely consumed and obsessed sometimes with doing church things and it takes us out of the other environments and we say how do we simplify that? Because I don't think scripture teaches that our goal ought to be consumed by church life. Our goal is to be consumed by Christ. And then we go out and share that with other people. And so how do we, how do we participate as being a part of this church? And we kind of boil it down as we've looked at scripture to, to four key words. And those four words are ask, join, serve, and grow. And over the past four weeks, we talked about what it meant to serve. And many of you stepped into service. It's been amazing to see new people serving over the past few weeks. And then we did our brunch, and we talked about joining our lives with other and beginning new relationships. And I've seen that happening in our body. Last week, we talked about growing. How do we actually grow? And we grow in relationships, not just by showing up to a Bible study, but actually connecting our lives with others and with scriptures. And even this week, it's been amazing. I, we talked about finding a mentor or finding a discipleship circle or being a part of like our Sunday morning community group. And this week, I've had three people approach me about being a mentor at some point in their life over a specific topic. So I, I'm seeing people engage in this, and it's so exciting. We just boiled it down to that. And today, we're focusing on the last way that we engage with a church with as a body, and it's to do this thing called Asking, this concept of asking, being willing to ask questions. Our church from the very, very beginning has said we always want to be a church where people can ask questions about God and of God. We don't want to be a place where you feel out of place if you don't understand something or if you don't agree with something. And this sounds great and it sounds easy. We want to be a place. We want to be a people that ask questions. But the truth is, I believe this is sometimes one of the hardest of the four to do is to actually be open and honest enough to ask questions. And I think it's because we live in this tension between the simplicity of asking and the trepidation of asking questions. Think about it with me for a minute. How do you like it when you get a phone call or you get an email or a text and somebody says, hey, can I talk to you about something? Can, can you come by the office for a minute? Can you, like, immediately, what do we do? We're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? You know, what, am I going to get fired? Like, what's happening with this? You know, it's like, I, and I'll tell you, like, I even have a trepidation with that with our church over the past year. I don't know if you all know this, but, like, over the past eight months, 24 people that were regularly involved in our church have moved out of the city. And here's how it usually happens. We'll be out here talking after church, and they'll be like, Patrick, could could we take you and Katie to lunch after church? We want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, now I'm like, the answer is no. No, you can't. Like, if any of you come up, you have to preface this. Like, we're not leaving, but we would like to go to lunch with you. Like, as long as you preface with that. But, but like, I, when I would get that, I'm like, no, not again. You know, it's like this trepidation of having to answer a question and, like, dealing with something. And these internal alarms start to go off and we, you know, what are they going to say? What's going to happen to me? What's, what are we going to do? Or what about when you need to ask a question? What about when you need to ask somebody for help or assistance or directions? You know, sometimes we just rather get lost than actually ask for directions. What about when you need to ask somebody for money? Like that's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's so easy for us to ask somebody about their day and, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. But how often do we actually ask somebody about the deeper things in their life? Like, how's your marriage doing this week? How are things with you and your kids? 
Like those questions be like, whoa, 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 where did that come from? And we get, we have this trepidation in asking questions. And we do this because we think it will get too personal. And we've been trained to think that I can't really open up. I can't let people in to a certain, past a certain point. Like they can know some things about me, but they can't know the tough things about me. And we don't just do that with each other. We do it with God as well. When, we, when God begins to ask us certain questions, we kind of shut down and back off and try to create distance. Or if we have questions of God that we think are too deep, too challenging, or even maybe we're, we're too you know, disrespectful, then we back up. And we're like, I, I can't ask God that. I can't have that conversations. The type of asking that we're talking about as a church, that we want to embrace as a church, isn't the surface level of asking that we're most comfortable with. Instead of that kind of asking that goes deeper. It's the kind of asking that penetrates the heart and doesn't leave the hard questions unasked. And the amazing thing is that God invites us into this kind of asking. The Bible is filled with stories of people asking God questions. You can't read through the Psalms without people asking God difficult questions. God, where are you? Where were you? What will you do for me? How long will we have to wait on you? Why did this happen? Where should we go? All kinds of questions are filled with questions. That the disciples all the time ask Jesus questions. He would do something and they would go like, what was that? What does that mean? He would teach and they're like, we didn't get that one. Like, I don't understand what you just said. Can you help us? Like they were regular because Jesus invited questions. But here's the thing. God just doesn't invite questions. He also challenges us by interjecting questions in our life. Think about it from the very beginning. When, when Adam and Eve, in the story of Adam and Eve, and they, they sinned, they, they ate the apple or ate the fruit, and they sinned against God, and they're hiding in the garden. God comes out and says, where are you? And eventually they show themselves, and they've clothed themselves in fig leaves and everything, and he says, well, you know, why are you, why are you in clothes? And they said, well, we were naked. And he's like, who told you you were naked? Like, I love God asking these questions. God doesn't ask questions, though. He doesn't interject questions in our life for his knowledge and for his benefit. When God interjects questions, when God brings up a question in our life, it's not so that he gets clarity. It's so that you and I get clarity. And it's this balance we've got to learn, not only with each other, but with God, to invite questions and to interject questions as well. Just think about it. In the mo- in the, think about the person you have the deepest relationship right now with. Whether it's a spouse, a sibling, a mother, a father, a friend, wherever that, whoever that person is. You've probably opened yourself up just enough for them to ask some penetrating questions, and you have the freedom to ask some as well. But we still have something that's off limits. Like there's sometimes we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we're not, we're not, are we really going there? Like we kind of have this, this shield that we put up. And here's what God from the very beginning is trying to do. He's trying to create intimacy, deep intimacy with you and I by inviting questions and interjecting questions and tearing down that wall. And he challenges us to do the same with one another. So I want us to look at a passage today out of Matthew 7 that does this. And this passage is found uh, right in the, toward the end of one of Jesus' most famous teachings, his Sermon on the Mount. So let's read through it together, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and it says this. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if a son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, and he's saying evil compared to him, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now let's take a moment as we look at this to understand a bit of the context of this passage. Because this passage, to me, is often yanked out and used out of context. And here's how it's often used. I ask and it'll be given. So somebody will stand up and say, look, if you want something, whatever it is, just ask and God will give it to you. Like whatever material thing you want in this life, just ask. If you figure out the right equation of how to ask God, it'll show up tomorrow. And we treat God like Amazon, right? A little menu like, boom, I want that next day delivery, right? Amazon Prime now, like two hours. I mean, that's the way we treat him. Sometimes if I can just ask, figure out the right way to ask, and people take this and they use it in that context. Like, that's what the Bible said. Ask and you'll receive. And people often then also take this when it says ask, seek, and knock. And they'll say, well, basically what this means, if you don't get it the first time, just keep knocking. Like God maybe didn't hear you. God's maybe busy doing something else. And so you got to do something to get God's attention. Just keep going at it. And eventually God will be like, oh, my gosh, what is that noise? And he'll come listen to you. And then he'll deal with you then. I don't believe that this is what this is talking about. I think both of these are incorrect, and here's why. Because Jesus has been, for the past few chapters, sitting on a hillside, teaching the Jewish people of that day basically a brand new way to follow God. He had been turning their thoughts upside down. He didn't say, you know what, it's just wrong to murder. He said it's also wrong to just hate somebody in your heart. It's not wrong just to commit adultery. It's also wrong to look on somebody with lust. He gave teachings about judging other people. He gave teachings about how to, how to live in a marriage relationship. He, he gave teachings about how to make promises and keep your word with one another. He gave instructions on prayer and on fasting. He basically had been laying out a new way, according to God in the flesh, teaching us of how to follow God. He, you know what he was doing? This was the uncomplicated sermon of Jesus' day. He was saying, look, there's a thousand upon thousand of rules out there that people have told you that what it means to follow Jesus. Let me tell you what it is at his base level. So he, he turned over their apple cart. I mean, he threw it upside down. And at the end of that, he does something amazing. He doesn't just say, I hope you get it. But here's what he does. At the end of his teaching, Jesus does something that is very freeing for these people and for us. He basically says this, look, Maybe this doesn't make sense to you. Maybe you don't quite get it. Maybe it feels weird and awkward to begin to live like this. Or maybe you just don't understand. And here's what I want you to do, he says. I want you to ask. If you got a question, ask. This is the context of where this is brought in. He's given all these teachings, and he says, now listen. Ask. If you're confused, ask. And while this is often used to teach about prayer, and prayer is talking to God, I don't think this is just a method of how we engage God when we stop and close our eyes in prayer. This is how we engage with God in our entirety, is to walk and have a willingness when we have a question to ask. This is a teaching about seeking wisdom, truth, knowledge, and understanding. This is a teaching on how to know God, how to follow God, 
and how to engage with God. When you're confused, when you're angry, when you're overwhelmed, or you just don't feel like you get it anymore, God says to come ask, let's talk. He invites you to have that conversation. Jesus is telling us followers, and he's telling you and I today this. Never stop asking. Never stop asking. Please ask. Please engage in the conversation and and in the frustration instead of giving it just lip service. Don't just say, how is your day, God? Instead, ask God why things seem to fall apart for you today. Ask the hard questions. I've learned, like when Katie gets home from work, I don't ask anymore, how was your day? Right? I, I'll often instead say, hey, what, you, what was the favorite part of your day today? Or what, 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 you know, what didn't you like about your day today? Because it immediately gets the conversation to something besides good, bad. Right? I mean, it starts a conversation at a deeper level. And that's what Jesus is challenging us to do here. And so I want you to see what this pattern of ask, seek, knock is. So look back at verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. And then he repeats it in verse 8, and he says, for everyone who asks, receive. So the first thing I want you to see is this. Jesus is giving you an invitation to ask questions. He's inviting you in. The word used for ask here literally means to ask with urgency or, in a, or almost demanding an answer. Now, this isn't how I first think about approaching God. Like, God, I got, you know, I got some questions, and you better have some answers. Like, I think about approaching my mom and dad that way when I was growing up. Like, Mom, Dad, this 10 o'clock curfew, I got some questions. They'd be like, well, we got some answers for you. It's 9 o'clock now. Okay, you know, there were things that just were not up for discussion, like especially in a demanding way. And, but that's what this word literally means here. It means, like, you can do this. Now, does God owe us an answer to the questions we ask? The answer is yes. He does. He doesn't owe them to us because of anything that we have done to deserve an answer, but we deserve it because he has promised to answer us when he asks. Does a student, does a, does a student uh, deserve a teacher to teach them? Yes, that's what they are. Does a child deserve to be parented by a parent? Yes, that's who they are. Does a citizen deserve to be protected by the police? Yes, that's the job. That's the role. And God says, I, if he is the author of all wisdom, and he says, I'll give it freely to you, then when we ask We can ask with urgency and saying we want an answer because the scripture teaches God is free with his wisdom. He doesn't hold it back. He gives it. And so it's this beautiful invitation to ask. And that's great. We're invited in to do that. Now, how do we actually do that? Because that sounds better than actually doing it. I just want to give you a couple things to think about. Be willing to ask God anything. I want you to know nothing's off limits with God. There's not a question too deep for God, too challenging for God, too divisive for God. God will take on any question. He's bigger than any question you have. And when you ask these questions, don't hide your feelings. If you're mad, be mad. Don't be like, you know, God, I know I shouldn't feel this way. And God, please help me. Like, but uh, like just, it's okay to express your feelings. Bring it with honesty, but then take time to listen and receive. A lot of times when we ask questions, you know, we never stop and do is listen for the answer. We think we already know the answer and we're trying to tell God, we're we're really trying to prove a point to God or somebody else. 
And so even in our relationships with other people, be willing to ask anything. Don't hide your feelings, but take time to listen and receive. If you feel offended by something that you hear that God says he stands for, let's talk about it. This is the kind of church we want to be. If you feel like you don't understand the teaching, let's talk about it. If you don't agree with something that we say that Scripture teaches, let's talk. While this isn't a license to be rude and divisive, it is an invitation to a conversation. Jesus says it's okay to talk. But then he does something else in verse 7. He says, don't just ask. He says, then seek and you will find, for the one who seeks finds. And so it's this challenge to seek. So what does this idea of seek mean? Because Jesus doesn't just say ask. He says also seek. The word seek here means to learn through careful investigation and searching. Seeking is acting. Jesus is telling us here to put our faith into practice. What we learn from asking our questions, give it a try. Test it and see if it really works. Even if you disagree with the answer, give it a shot. I remember one of the questions I used to always ask my parents growing up was, why? Like, why do I have to do this? It's time to take out the garbage. Why? Why can't I take it out? And you know what the answer was? You've probably used it multiple times. Because I said so. Right? And I remember growing up as a kid, like, I will never say that to my kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I have not lived up to that promise. (laughs) So, and neither will PJ or Natalie, I guarantee you. Like, it's just as I, sometimes we feel like, just do it like I'll, I'll explain it later. It's too complex right now. And what I love is God says, no, hold on. God never says just because I said so. Like he holds that promise true. He does say, Let, let's talk about it. And let me tell you why and give it a shot. Now, I want you to know, I, many times in my role as a pastor, as a parent, or as a teacher, like I get asked questions or advice. And I give people advice. I give people direction. And many times on the back end of that, I feel woefully inadequate. I'll leave a conversation and be like, was that actually good godly advice? Or was that just something that popped into my head? Like, are they really going to go act on that? Like, please, God, please. You know, it's just like this idea of like, you know, where where do I get that wisdom from? And and I'll be very honest. Sometimes I get bad advice. Sometimes we're human. I'm not the author of all truth. But here's what I love about God. He is author of all truth. Even though he may give me something that I disagree with, something that really challenges and is a tough answer, it comes from truth. It comes from truth. I hate giving bad advice. I, I just hate it. Like I hate it when I feel like I, I've come up short in answering someone's question, but I've never had that with God. So how do we do this? How do we challenge the seeking? One is be willing to follow anything. Anything that comes from God, not just anything, but like anything that comes from, if God calls you to do something crazy and ridiculous, give it a shot. It may seem ridiculous to you, but it may be the key to what you need. And then second, give it a real opportunity. Don't just give it one swing and be like, ah, I can't do that. Not it. You know, I'm supposed to love my enemies. I tried. Like I tried for all of 32 seconds and it didn't work for me. Like, you know, we have to give it a real shot. And the way you do that is to try to make it a part of your life. To try to actually make it part of how you act and see if it will actually integrate into who you are. And this is the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a proving ground. We want to be a place where people can walk with you, guide you, listen to you, learn with you, and seek to find truth together. 
We aren't a church that asks you to step away until you get things figured out. We're a church that says we will walk with you as we figure things out. We aren't a church who has everything figured out. We're a church that's learning. And we learn together as we seek God. And the last thing he calls us to do is knock. Here it says knock and it will be open. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. This is a part of the passage that many feel like gives God, you know, like, go oh, knock on the door. If God doesn't hear you, just keep knocking, knock louder, knock, knock, knock. You know, and it's this idea that God doesn't really want to talk to us. I remember growing up in church uh, in the South. One of the things we used to do to try to get people to come to church is we would fan out in the neighborhood and go knock on people's door and invite them to church. Just like, you know, this was in a day and a time when, when that actually worked sometimes. And we would go and knock on a door. But I remember more times than not, we would knock on a door. And like within 10 seconds, every light in the house would go off. Shades would be dropped. TV is like turned down. And like, nobody's home. Nobody, you know, and be like, should we knock one more? And like, sometimes we feel like that's what God does to us. When we don't get the answer we want, like maybe he doesn't really want to talk to us. He's hiding from us. And that's not what this is saying. That's not the kind of persistence he's talking about. He's talking about a whole different kind of persistence. He's saying, look, once you've asked God and you've sought his truth and you made it part of your life, make that the normal cycle. Knock again. Come visit again. Next time a question comes, start over. Knock, you know, and say, look, I got another question. Let's talk about this. Let's put this into action. All right, I'm trying to live this one. Wow, now i got another question. You know what I do? Come back over. I knock again and say, God, i got to talk about this. Can we keep, you know, why is this? this? There's never a time that we stop doing this process. We keep knocking. We keep asking. We keep seeking. And it's going to lead to more questions. And we keep the process going. God is saying, don't just come to me on the big occasions. Don't just come to me with the big questions. Who should I marry? Where should I go to college? Should we have kids? Where should we live? What about this job? Come down with the small questions. Knock. God never gets tired of you knocking. Like, God, you know, I'm just feeling down right now. Or, you know, I'm missing, I feel like I'm missing something in my life. Knock. Talk about it. Have that conversation and keep going. That's what the challenge is. And the way we do that is by never stopping and asking, never stop asking questions. And embrace the next question. Don't be like, oh my gosh, I just asked. Now I've got to ask again. Like God doesn't feel that way. And here's the big part. is Once you've learned something, share your learnings with other people. And this is the kind of church we want to be. We want to kind of be the church where we're constantly growing. We're constantly asking. We're, we're not a church that has more answers than questions. We actually probably have more questions than answers. Our goal is to push you toward more questions it's not to give you more answers because we believe true life change and true truth is found when you take your questions to god not when i just give you my answers that i've gotten from god it's both and so it's this idea you know i'm so grateful that god loves me so much that he also loves my questions he loves my questions as much as he loves me we'll close with verse 9 and 10 right here because it's a great closing idea of how god answers us and he said again, which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him stone? Or if asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? You know, if you, if you do that even as an earthly father, then the heavenly father is going to do even more than that. And there's this incredible word picture here that the people of Jesus' time would have got. Because bread and stone, there was a relationship there. He's basically saying people would 
bake bread and they would go to the market and they would sell their bread and they would sell it by the pound. And if a person was unscrupulous, they would take these stones that looked like bread and they would mix them in with the bread. So when they weighed the bread, it weighed more and they would get paid more, but they're really selling them stones instead of bread. Fishermen would do the same thing. They would catch these beautiful fish that looked real meaty, and they were. And then they would catch these sea snakes that were very, and they're all throughout the Sea of Galilee. They would catch them, and they would look very similar to the fish, except they were like this skinny versus this fat as a fish. So they would put them into like as filler to get more money. So they looked just like good fish, but they weren't. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, God will never sell you short. God will never give you a counterfeit answer. God's not going to cheat you. When you come to him with an honest question, seeking an answer, he's not going to cheat you. He's going to give you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help him God, right? I mean, that's that's what he's going to do. And so how do we do this? I want to challenge you with three steps to take. Ask God personally. If you've got a question, ask him. Don't be afraid. Spend time with God. Get, get alone with God and ask him personally. And secondly is this, ask him passionately. Like get passionate about your questions and, and get passionate about hearing from God. And then thirdly, it's okay to ask them publicly as well, because that's what this body is about. That's what this church is about. It's a safe place to ask questions. It's a safe place to bring up Difficult things, and we will talk about them. I don't know if you notice this. If you've been around my teaching much, I always end with a question of the day. And I do this specifically to get us asking things of God. My goal is that I don't give you an answer for the day. My goal is to give you a question of the day because I believe questions create more conversations than answers do. And my question for you today is this. What questions are you afraid to ask God today? What is it in your life that you've really been afraid to talk to God about or to even talk to others about? Would you accept God's invitation to talk about that this morning? Would you knock on the door, let him invite you in, come and sit down with him and have a conversation, hear an answer, and begin to see how that answer can play out in your life? No question too big. There's also no question too small to ask God. What are you afraid to ask God today? And would you take his invitation to overcome that fear and to start to have a conversation? Let's pray together.